Welcome to Beyond the Gavel. I'm your host, Judge Ron Rangel. As you are probably aware, this is our very first podcast. So I want to make sure to make it a good one. Thank you so much for joining us today. All rise. District Court 379 is now in session with the Honorable Judge Ron Rangel presiding. Friend of mine on murder, and the judge's gavel fell. Jury found him guilty, gave him 16 years in hell. This first episode is called Misconceptions and Improprieties. Now, you're probably wondering why we chose that title. First of all, I've been on the bench almost 15 years, and in the course of that time, I've learned. A lot of folks have misconceptions about what happens in the courtroom. This podcast is intended to dispel all those misconceptions. Secondly, there's a lot of improprieties that folks have a tendency to believe that occur within the courtroom. That's another thing that we'll be dealing with. Let me tell you a little bit about myself, just to kind of get you on the right footing. I first got elected to the bench in 2008. I'm currently a district court judge in Bear County, Texas. So it's been Almost 15 years since I've had this particular job. A lot has happened to me during that time. It's gone by way, way too fast. Now, we know that that's how life works, right? The older that we get, the faster it seems to go by. So here on our first episode, I want to introduce to you someone who's in the studio with me, Alana Zariello. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today, Alana? I'm good. I know you've been talking about this podcast for a while. And I'm glad that I could start it up for you and get the ball rolling. Well, you've been doing a great job. And I'll let the folks know what you've done. You basically put the entire thing together. You and I have been working very hard. Yes. And you have really done well on making sure that this particular podcast is coming together. Could not do it without you. Explain, if you can, what it is that you do. And how is it that you and I came across each other? So, as you know, I am a recent UTSA graduate, a pre-law student, and currently your full-time intern here at the 379th District Court. I get to do corresponding and clerical duties, and I get to observe the daily courtroom activities, which is a really cool experience. That's why I truly appreciate taking your class at UTSA when I was a student, because I am getting an awesome learning experience, and I get to learn the reality of the courtroom. And it's an awesome perspective I get to have before I head to law school. Well, you are very deserving of being the first person that we speak to on this podcast. So let's talk about what the purpose of this podcast is. It's to educate. Is that right? Yes, sir. Now, so you know, a district judge in Texas is a felony trial court judge. That makes it the highest trial court level judge in the state of Texas. Now, there are other states that call their trial court judges differently. Right. Some, for instance, in California, refer to their courts as superior courts. In New York State, felony trial courts are called Supreme Courts. Now, in Texas, these cases generally preside over felony cases alleged to have been committed within a certain county. There are 477 district courts in the entire state of Texas. Every district court is presided over by one judge. I live in San Antonio, Texas, which is located entirely within Bear County. That has a population of over 2 million people. Many counties in Texas are large enough to have multiple district judges that share jurisdiction and handle all the cases within that particular county. 
So imagine watching TV or a movie where you see a judge in a really big courtroom. You see a jury sitting down, listening intently to the evidence. You see a court reporter who's transcribing and taking all the notes as to what's going on in court. You see people in the audience that are listening in. You hear questions being asked of a witness who's on the stand. You hear attorneys get up and object. Judges rule. There's one judge who is in that particular role, listening to all the evidence and paying attention to what's going on. That's a trial court. Trial court then is divided into different types of jurisdictions. And so a district court handles the ones in Texas where there are 12 jurors listening to evidence, making up the decisions as to what it is that happened in that particular case. I have kind of a uh, two-part question here. So from my understanding, because I watch a lot of TV, I have watched a lot of Law & Order, um, I never really grasped the concept of what guidelines judges have to follow. Obviously, TV is not the same as reality. So could you tell me a little bit of the judicial ethics you have to follow? And how do you instill that confidence in the community when judges run on a partisan basis? It's an excellent question. And in fact, we are recording this the day after the election on November the 8th, 2022. Yes. <laughs> That's a very difficult thing to say. Now, how do judges get elected? In Texas, every single judge is elected by the voters. That means they have to campaign. There is always an argument that the perception of that is that judges and would be biased for those that actually contribute to their campaign. So to ensure that we maintain the integrity of this particular show, it's important for folks to know that there is not a benefit that anybody will gain from this other than you, the audience. The purpose of this entire show is to make sure that everything we talk about is illuminating, something to shed light upon the legal system, something to help folks understand how the law works. I pick up the newspapers every day. I read, you know, what it is that they talk about as it relates to the justice system. And it seems to me that oftentimes news is sold in a particular way that maybe will have folks question how the system works. Judges are unable to give you a lot of political policy preferences while they're serving on the bench. That means if they're out in the community and somebody asks them, how do you feel about a certain political issue? Oftentimes judges can't respond to that. Think about all the potential issues that, come, can, that can come before the court. Back in 2012, when I was running for my first re-election, there was a general manager of a horse track here in San Antonio that asked me to come out to the races because they were going to name a race, believe it or not, they were going to call it the Judge Ron Brunhill Classic. Afterwards, the general manager told me, Ron, go out and work the crowd. Go out and see who you can talk to meet whoever you need to meet. We appreciate you being out here. So I went out there. I came across a young lady. The lady asked me, tell me before I vote for you, how do you feel about a woman's right to choose? Now, obviously, I could tell in the way she framed that question how she felt about a woman's right to choose. And frankly, it would have been easy for me to tell her how I feel. However, I told her that's a political issue. I really should not be talking about that because I don't want to discredit anything that I do on the bench. The most important thing for any judge, I believe, is to make sure that the community confidence in the justice system 
is maintained by the work that that judge does. Her response was, I think that's BS. I think you really don't want to tell me because it's an easy cop out for you to get out. And so I told her, well, think about this now for a second. Think about this. Let's pretend that I'm in the middle of a jury trial. And in this jury trial, the defendant is claiming sudden passion, which would then reduce the sentence if he is convicted. And it would be up to me to determine whether or not that sudden passion exists. So if I tell you how I feel about a woman's right to choose, that would make me biased in that particular trial, in that particular situation. And there could be reason for me to get pulled off that case if I already gave my opinion on how that sudden passion defense would apply. Let's take a short break. This is a Q&A break with Judge Ron Donghel. Let's hear what questions we've received so far. So I have the awesome opportunity to present the first question during the Q&A break, which happens to be from John. And the question is, I have been in several courthouses and I've never noticed any judges use their gavels. What is that all about? So I have an understanding that way back when Romans first started the system that we use today, when the Romans brought the idea of judges over to the rest of Europe, the judge would sit way up high on the edge of a cliff. And then the judge would make a ruling. If there was a litigant who was unhappy or upset with the way the judge ruled, sometimes that litigant would try to climb up the side of that cliff and actually hurt the judge physically, actually hurt the judge for the ruling that they made. So judges developed a big defensive hammer that they could use to bop somebody on the top of the head to knock them down to keep themselves safe. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily accurate, but that's the way we're taught it used to came up. I don't know if that's necessarily how it really happened, but that's what I understand brought about the idea of judges using gavels. This is a Q&A break with Judge Ron Rangel. Please submit any questions that you may have to our website at www.beyondthegavelpodcast.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Gavel in our introductory podcast. You know, Judge, what makes me curious is how these misconceptions come about of the criminal justice system. Sometimes we hear that folks don't appear too happy with the end result of a case. There's always a situation where people in a courtroom and define what happened within that courtroom as being unfair. Does that make sense? Yes. And so you got to think about why people feel frustrated about the way the system operates. A lot of it is based on the fact that they don't quite recognize how it works. The system is made up of people. People all have their own way to view the world, right? Everybody wears sort of rose-shaded glasses as they go through life, pay attention to what's going on, and there are different motivations or different reasons, different perceptions that people have about how it is that they live their lives. Sometimes people can commit the same act, but have a very different viewpoint within their heart or in their mind as to what it is that they're doing. There are different reasons for people to commit crimes. For instance, if somebody steals something, is it because they're hungry? Is it because they don't have 
concern for other people's property? Is it because they're a kleptomaniac? There's a lot of different reasons why people do the things that we do. And so the justice system being made up of people is forced to analyze what it is that's happening in every particular case. How is it that a particular victim got hurt? For instance, between getting behind the wheel while intoxicated, hitting somebody who then either dies or gets injured. Those charges are different. And because people have different experiences in their past, and because people react to past experiences in different ways, there are so many different circumstances that come into place as to why cases end up with the results that they have. I've been asked oftentimes what I think about a case that's been playing on TV or has been in the media, and I always tell them the same. There are jurors and judges and parties in that courtroom that are observing every single thing that is within that case. They're not just listening to what the people are saying or the testimonies of folks. They're also paying attention to how people testify and making judgments throughout the course of somebody's testimony as to whether or not they're telling the truth, as to whether or not they're exaggerating what it is that they're saying, as to whether or not they have a different conception or viewpoint as to what it is that they saw. And so folks on a jury can walk away listening to the exact same evidence, but have a very different opinion as to what it is that occurred. Those are the kind of things that juries have to grasp that the media doesn't have to worry about. The media doesn't have to worry about burdens of proof like proof beyond a reasonable doubt or making sure that evidence is presented in a legal way the way it's supposed to be presented. Folks that pay attention to things that happen in the media only get little sound bites and don't completely understand why juries or judges or prosecutors make the decisions that they have to make throughout the course of their profession. So in a sense, it seems like the media can play a huge role in how the community perceives the justice system. We were just talking about it in the courtroom the other day. We had a jury trial where an individual was accused of pulling out a gun and threatening a family at a party. Somehow or another, there was a witness on the stand while testifying who talked about they were in the process of eating menudo. While she was eating menudo, she looked down and saw a cockroach next to her foot. The news story that evening then, that the reason for this gentleman pulling out a gun and assaulting this family is because he found a cockroach in his menudo. Wow. And that happened because the camera went in, caught about 20 minutes worth of video, and then left. Very interesting how it works. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Again, this is Beyond the Gavel with Judge Ron Rangel. It has been a pleasure for me to be here with you. You listening in makes all the world of difference to me. Please think of any questions that you may have. Submit them to our website at www.beyondthegavelpodcast.com. It's all one word, all crunched in together. There's no spaces. Ask me whatever you want about what it is that I do as a judge, what it is that I do in my public service, what it is that the court system uh, handles and does and how it operates. I will gladly answer that. Our next podcast will come out in about two weeks. We'll certainly have a very interesting guest for you to listen to. We'll talk about the justice system in many forms and ways. 
And I look forward to getting into those discussions with you. Thank you for listening in. We'll see you next time. in his head.